try to avoid emotional reactions. War is one of the most emotional things that hits investors when they hear about it. So you have to make sure that keep your emotions out of your investment decisions. It's tough to do, but emotional reactions lead to people making crazy decisions that they can regret. So I have not currently seen anyone overreact about the Israel-Hamas situation, but I did see it with Russia-Ukraine. I did see people really freak out and think they need to pull all their money out of the markets and their investments and go to cash. And I'm sure that happened to a lot of people, no one that I know specifically. I was able to talk people off the ledge, but that is something that is a natural reaction. You just need to learn to fight that. Welcome in, listeners, to the Free Retiree Show, your podcast for your career and your finances. Goal of our podcast, we want to get you to financial freedom as quick as possible using great strategies and help you protect your wealth. I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, and for today's podcast, we're going to be giving you an economic update. We haven't done one in a while. We're going to talk about everything you need to know about that's going in the world, how it impacts your finances, talk about the war in the Middle East that has recently happened. And we're going to give you some insight and advice on how to handle that situation. A lot of people are asking, what do we do with our money in this uncertain times? And those are all great questions. So for listeners, you got a great episode today. We're going to give you some guidance in that. But if you haven't done so yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Love all that support that we get from you. And on to the episode. So first thing is the economic update. What is going on? Today's podcast is current up to October 18th. Everything we talk about today is going to be relevant around that time. First thing that you need to be aware of that we're seeing is interest rates. Everyone knows that they're high. Looks like they're going to tick up. And I'm saying that based off what we're seeing in the September retail sales. Those numbers came in significantly higher than they should have. And I know most of us are thinking, oh, retail sales, that's a good thing. But remember, if you've listened to our podcast before, if you've listened to the news, the big battle with the economy right now in the US is how do we get inflation down? And inflation is still rather high. The goal is to get it to 2%. And if you look at core inflation, it's around 3.8. So we have a long ways to go. And a high retail sale number, that's not going to help our cause. That's going to hurt us in the current war that we're at with interest rates and inflation. So employment, it's considered full employment when it's at 5%. We're at 3.8, so that's a great number. But unfortunately, if we're going to try to get out of this situation with the high inflation numbers, you're going to have some layoffs, unfortunately. It's really tough to not have that when you're battling inflation. I hate people getting unemployed. It breaks my heart. But at the end of the day, if we're going to get out of this, we got to see some more layoffs, unfortunately. Number two thing to keep an eye on, a home builder sentiment has dropped to a 10-month low. The reason for that is the mortgage rates are soaring, and that's really hurt the home builders. Home builder sentiment dropped four points to 40 in October, and the September number was revised down one point. It marks the third straight monthly decline in builder confidence. And 62% of builders are reportedly offering sales incentives of all forms in October, up from 59% in September. So home builders are desperate to move their inventory. And right now there's not a lot of purchases happening. Let's go on to the next part that we're seeing uh, that deserves some of your attention is commercial real estate. 
That has been in a downward trend for almost a year now. According to Morgan Stanley, analysts think that there's a potential decline of properties up to 40% in the commercial real estate space. So that's huge. That's going to rival the 2008 financial crisis. And the environment right now that we're in, it's not only that there's a low demand that you have to worry about, but you have to look at the bank failures. That plays a big part. You've had failures such as Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, First Republic. And that has caused a lot of lenders to reevaluate their commercial real estate portfolios. And they're looking at credit a bit more. They're tightening up their lending standards because of all these bank failures that we've seen. And in the next few years, you got a lot of commercial real estate that people are going to try to get additional loans for or refinance. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough environment and you're going to see kind of a bloodbath, I would guess, over the next year or two in commercial real estate. If that's something that's on your radar that you're looking to get into commercial real estate, I would say don't jump into the burning building quite yet. If you want to make sure the fire is on the, at least at a low roar. But right now it seems like we're in the beginning of all this. And if you look back at 2008, we started to see signs of a financial crisis in, uh, I believe, late 2006. And that played out for many years. Uh, I would expect the same trajectory in the commercial real estate space. So no need to jump in really quickly. This looks like we're in the early innings and there's quite a ways to go here. But if you're looking at commercial real estate as something you want to do, looks like you might have a good opportunity in the not too distant future. On to the main topic, how do wars impact the economy? Right now, we, it looks like there's going to be two wars that the US is going to be involved in. First, you got the Ukraine war. And overall, the Biden administration has sent about $75 billion in assistance to Ukraine as of this time. That's going to include aid for humanitarian, financial, and military support. And now you got another war that the U.S. looks like they're going to be involved with, which is going to cost a bit more money, it sounds. And a lot of us are thinking, all right, is a war really that bad? So today I'm going to go into what a war does for an economy. I'll be talking about what it does for countries that are directly involved and then indirectly involved, looks like the U.S. will be. So on to the first one that you need to consider as big military bills. Obviously, the government needs to spend a lot of money on military projects, and that's going to cost a ton of money. And that's money that's taken away from other things that could be used on the home front. I remember in grade school, I had multiple uh, teachers that would always tell me, oh, wars are great for economies. And I think that is something that we always hear. Oh, war is great for the economy. It's going to stimulate everything. And that's a big fallacy that really is not rang true. I know we've uh, talked about this on a podcast we did probably a couple of years ago about the impact of wars. When you see, when you hear about prosperity in wars, generally, if you look throughout history, the prosperity didn't happen during the war. It happened after the war ended. But somehow a lot of people think it's because of the war they got into prosperity. It's not generally not how it's happened. And part of the reason is when you're in a war, you're spending money on bombs and things that aren't going to really create jobs. Yes, you can create a job through your missile factory, but I think there's a solid argument to be made that that money can be spent towards our infrastructure, public jobs, our social security system, all those things. There's a lot of things that would be, it would be more beneficial to be spent on. That's the big one is the military bills. Number two, second impact of a war is it can really destroy infrastructure. This is not necessarily for the U.S. because we're indirectly involved at this point in time, but for countries like 
Israel, for Ukraine, their economies are suffering because roads, bridges, buildings, it's all very expensive. It's a ton of money fixing all those damages. The other thing that is a negative impact with the war, you lose skilled workers. You can see this actually in Ukraine. You're seeing a lot of people that worked in tech or healthcare, and they're moving to the battlefield. That's not helpful for economy. You want those high-skilled workers doing what they're supposed to do, or what they were meant to do from going through college and getting their higher education. But if there's a war, you lose skilled workers to other things like it could be fighting, it could be working in a factory, but the skilled workers are no longer able to do, or a good portion of skilled workers are not able to do what they once did. The next negative impact, you have trouble with trade. With the war, uh, a lot of times countries will refuse to do trade with other countries based off of where they stand, and it hurts countries' ability to sell goods and services. There's trouble with trade. Fifth one, inflation is going to go up because you have all the spending, but it really is not impacting the regular goods and services that really make an economy go. That ends up showing in higher inflation numbers. And that's scary. I think in, that's one of the biggest things I'm concerned about with this new battle that the US will be involved in is we already have this battle with inflation going on. Yes, we're making progress, but we're not out of the woods and we're just a new war is going to start. And that means more spending, which is only going to make this battle with inflation last longer. And then the last one, investors. Obviously, if you're looking at company valuations, you need investors, right? People often ask me, what makes a stock go up or down? There's more buyers and sellers. That's the simple part of the up and down pricing when you look at the stock market or a company. When there's a war, you lose investors because people get spooked and they think it's a really bad time. So they pull their money out and they don't want to be invested. And I do not think that is the right thing for people to do even a time like this. But regardless, that is going to negatively impact the economy. Going on to the things that you need to do during this time, because there are things that you can do and there's things that we can control to get through this rough time. First one, always invest for the long term. It's a great rule of thumb, but you need to really think about that during times like this because a lot of us get spooked knowing that there's a big war happening with a country like Russia. That really took a toll on our economy during the beginning, and we seem to have covered during that time. But during the first six months, the market took a major hit during that war. And since the beginning of this year, there's been a great recovery, but we're still feeling the implications of that war. You need to have a long-term focus. Same thing with this current war that's happening with Israel and Hamas. You need to have a long-term focus. You can't get spooked by what's happening. Next thing that you can do is you can look at defensive stocks. You can look at things that perform better in recession. So these are things like healthcare, utilities, consumer staples, those areas tend to do better during these sort of downturns. Next thing you can look at is you can look at bonds. Bonds, as we talked about before, they've gone through a rough patch over 2022, and they have had historically probably one of the worst years ever in the history of the bond market. Doesn't seem like it, but it was a pretty big deal. And with the bonds, they're priced at a point where people can make some good money from them, but you also have to make sure that when you're buying bonds, the chances of inflation are low. So I think right now, this is a good time to invest in bonds. But remember, bonds are great for geopolitical risk and financial risk. So they tend to do good during those times, but not during inflation, which we've just learned over the last year and a half that bonds 
are not good at fighting inflation. Right now, you got this war. They're going to be good if you're looking at this geopolitical risk, the financial risk involved. And as long as we can keep inflation under control, which I still am hopeful for, and I think we're on the right track, they should be a solid investment. Number four, try to avoid emotional reactions. War is one of the most emotional things that hits investors when they hear about it. So you have to make sure that keep your emotions out of your investment decisions. It's tough to do, but emotional reactions lead to people making crazy decisions that they can regret. So I have not currently seen anyone overreact about the Israel-Hamas situation, but I did see it with Russia-Ukraine. I did see people really freak out and think they need to pull all their money out of the markets and their investments and go to cash. And I'm sure that happened to a lot of people, no one that I know specifically. I was able to talk people off the ledge, but that is something that is a natural reaction. You just need to learn to fight that. Fifth tip you can do, dollar cost average. Right now, stocks are still a great buy. One of the best times to buy into stocks, I believe, in the last decade. So you have a great deal there. Continue to dollar cost average in. Continue to buy stocks that are high quality, that are going to give you great revenue in the future. It is not a bad time for that. So maybe you don't have a lot of money sitting on the sideline, but dollar cost averaging in is going to help you buy into some stocks that are trading at heavy discounts and make money in the long haul. And I, I feel really great about five-year to 10-year horizon with stocks, I think you're going to do fantastic. You just got to be a little patient. Granted, the last year and a half has been a little bit tough with inflation and the Russia-Ukraine war, but as long as this war doesn't escalate and become a major issue, I feel like 2024, 2025, things will have reset and will be more poised for a growth environment. The other thing that you can consider so for people that are very skittish and feel like, oh, this is just too risky and getting close to retirement, I don't feel like I can put my money in the market or bonds. One thing that you can look at is an FIA product or a fixed index annuity. These are products that are sold by insurance companies. And I know annuities, they have a bad reputation from people talk about them as they're bad products, but there is a lot of different types of annuities that are out there. A lot of people are familiar with variable annuities and they have they tend to have high fees. There's deferred annuities, which you put your money in the the product and then in the future you can start collecting money. There's SPIAs. There's just a wider range of different investment vehicles in the annuity space and to lump them all together, ignorant to think that all of them are the same. So there is one product that I like. I do like FIAs. I think that they can be good when used appropriately, meaning you follow very specific guidelines. So I'll explain like how those work. They offer principal protection. So the money you invest, it's protected from downturns if you keep the money there, but you also are subject to surrenders. So you give your money to the insurance company, they're going to put a nine-year, maybe 10-year surrender, so you can't touch that money for that point in time. A lot of times people tout how it gives you principal protection, but I don't think that's a really great quality uh, for an FIA product. I think what gives it the benefit is the guaranteed income that you can get from the product. I think that is what's most important. As long as you put the right amount and don't go overboard, I think you can find a good product out there. The other thing is you can have the contract go based off index like the S&P 500. As long as the index go up, you can start getting crediting on the product. You can increase the amount of income 
that you could potentially get. And if you have a bad year, generally those won't count against the income that you get from the product. So that's another valuable thing. You want to look for FIAs that offer high participation rates and high cap rates. You want to make sure that you know what the guaranteed income is in the future. So where a lot of people go wrong on using these products, these investment contracts, is that they go based off what it could be. So you always get an agent that's going to tell you, oh, it could do this if the market makes a crazy amount every single year. And that's really not how these products are designed to do. They're not designed to make huge return numbers. If your goal is to make the most amount of money, you're better off investing in stocks and real estate. Those are going to give you solid return numbers. This is more of a bond replacement. So where FIAs, I think they fit into the average person's financial picture as they get close to retirement is a replacement for bonds because FIAs in recent history have actually outperformed bonds. And that means you have more consistency with your fixed income, more stability, and it's backed by the insurance companies. They've actually done research from Princeton, from Dr. Wade Pham, and you have Roger Ibbotson, who's a professor from Yale. They've done a lot of research on how you can fit these into your portfolio and consensus is when you're using something like this, if you put 20 to 40% of your assets in a product like this at retirement, you can do much better than a regular liquid portfolio. And I've seen the advantages with them. So I think that they're great as long as you are willing to buy the right product with high cap rates, high participation rates, great age payout calculation factor. And you make sure that you don't need liquidity. If you need liquidity, this is a strategy that doesn't make sense. But I think during a time like this, this is one of the more defensive strategies that you can use. And as long as you don't go overboard by putting all your money in it and you just take 20 to 40% as a bond replacement, I think for a lot of folks, that's a good solution. And I'm seeing great results from people that I know that have done the strategy. That's another thing that you can look at. And then lastly, we have actually one more, reduce your future spending. Right now, you have a government that is spending a ton of money, which is going to lead to more inflation. You're going to see this at the gas pump. You're going to see this at the grocery store, but I believe in a month or two from now, people will really notice when they get their gas is very expensive. Try to not make any plans to do a big road trip if you can to try to cut down on your driving. But right now, the budgeting is very important because things are going to get more expensive. So those are my tips for you on how to get through this uncertain time. So hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully you guys got a lot out of this podcast if you have questions if you have an episode request make sure you send it to ask at the foodtiree.com thanks for joining us today so long for now securities offered through securities america advisors inc member finra www.finra.org sipc www.sipc.org a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is an investment advisor representative with Securities American Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities American Advisors, and Securities American Incorporated are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson, attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities American Advisors or Securities American Incorporated. Securities American Advisors, Securities America Incorporated and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced 
information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. All or portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Airbnb Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.